Let the church say amen. amen. It's good to be back at Redeemer. It's one of my favorite churches. And uh, I really appreciate the fellowship that we've had with uh, Brother McGowan. And it's just good to be back. Let's look at our scripture. Matthew 8, 18 through 22. Can you still hear me? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That gets out of my way. Matthew 8, 18 through 22. <clears throat> when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds in the, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you will uh, open our hearts to what you have to say to, the, to us this morning and give us the grace to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Not quite is not right. <laughs> um, if anybody's toes get stepped on, mine are the ones that get stepped on the first, okay? So, it's a thing I had to endure this twice today. I can hardly walk as it is. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know, Jesus uh, was very popular. He uh, gained large crowds often, but he never let a large crowd or his popularity uh, be an excuse for him not to move on to another place. In fact, uh, this was a good reason for Jesus to move on. And the reason why is because he wanted to sift out his true followers from his would-be followers. If you remember, there was a time when Jesus gave a very hard saying. He said, if unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not enter the kingdom. And he lost... 4,988 disciples that day. <clears throat> he wouldn't make out so good in the PCA M&A uh, registry, but anyway, that's all right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the question I think that Jesus would have uh, in situations like this as he looked at his potential followers is, would they follow him across the lake? Or would their commitment be too weak to overcome the inconvenience of the trip? Some were glad to have Jesus next door, but they wouldn't lift a finger to see, seek him out across town. They would welcome Jesus if he came to them, but they wouldn't bother with going to Jesus. And Jesus always had a way of shaking off those who only had a 99.5% commitment and revealing the beauty of a 100% commitment.
commitment. It, in uh, one of the churches I used to visit in Philadelphia, we used to sing that song, that lyrics are like this, Lord, I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half won't do. <laughs> um, Jesus can always discern true followers from not quite followers. So here in our passage, we look at two not quite followers. There were those who were only curious about Jesus, but these men were more than that. They were, it was more than curiosity. There were others who wanted to follow Jesus in secret, but these men were more than that. These men wanted to be a part of the inner circle of followers. They wanted it even though most others resented it, resisted it. They wanted it even though it would require discipline. They really wanted to be close followers, but unfortunately, they did not want it enough. Each of these men had a desire that was greater than their desire to be a close follower. And as a result, one of them fell short by being too quick to promise. And the other fell short by being too slow to perform. So because they were not quite, they were, okay, not right, okay, all right. So now let's look at the first uh, candidate here. Uh, the Bible tells us he was a professor of the law. He was, uh, he was an academic. He was a scholar. For the sake of simplicity, let's call him, let's give him a name. Let's call him Dr. Quick. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, he was a scribe who was willing to go against the tide to follow Jesus. He did not follow other scribes in despising Jesus. His declaration was straightforward. What did he say? He says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. I don't think you could say it any better than that. I, for one, when I first read this passage years ago, I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's all right. But his commitment seems to have been genuine in three ways. First of all, he was ready. Uh, Jesus did not invite him, but he came anyway. The other disciples did not bring him, but he came anyway. Secondly, he was resolute. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, I'm thinking about following you. He said what? I will follow you. And thirdly, he was without reservation. He didn't say, I'll follow you only to the other side of the lake. I will follow you only to Ridgeland. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, I will follow you wherever you go. Didn't he say that? Did say it. All right. I, for one, would find no fault 
in this man's commitment. I would find no fault. I would be impressed. But Jesus found fault. He was not impressed. You see, his readiness and resolution were too quick. He was probably attracted by the miracles. He was he thought that uh, Jesus might have been setting up some kind of a new order here, and he wanted to get in on the ground floor of a good thing. He could have been like many today who jump into Christianity on a whim and jump out of Christianity on, or on another whim. Or those who follow Jesus for so many weeks or months or so, they said, they say, oh, I need a break. So you sow your wild oats for a while and pray for a crop failure. <laughs> and then you... <laughs> Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I pray for many crop failures in my time. Um, but, uh, you know, his problem was that he doesn't seem to have adequately counted the cost of discipleship. Jesus tested Dr. Quick's commitment by informing him that he would have to share in his poverty. Foxes, they're of little use to us. They often make our lives harder. But at least they have holes to live in. But Jesus had no earthly place to live. Birds, some nest in the fields, some nest in the trees, some nest on cliffs. But Jesus had no earthly place to live. So in essence, what Jesus was saying to this man, it says, I am homeless. And if you follow me, you will be homeless too. But there's a flip side to this. There's a flip side. You see, he may have been homeless, but he was the son of his heavenly father. This should have encouraged Dr. Quick because Jesus was basically saying, I know what it's like to trust my heavenly father for everything. And I know my heavenly father to be faithful and generous. God is not cheap. And therefore, if you follow me, you can trust your heavenly father to be faithful and generous in meeting your every need. Jesus is telling us today that the poverty of following him is richer than the wealth of the world. Because he, after all, owns the cattle in a thousand hills. And more than that, he owns everything. Such a scholar as, as Dr. Quick was a prime uh, a prospect. He was choice. He was educated. He was sophisticated. He was theologically astute. But Jesus wasn't impressed. I mean, Dr. Quick could have done so much more for Jesus than these uneducated, cussing sometimes, <laughs> fishermen. <laughs> I know if I was a pastor, I'd say, hey, come on in, man. Sign your, sign your membership card. You're in. But Jesus was not impressed. He was not impressed. Because Dr. Quick was not quite, he was not right. 
So why was Jesus unimpressed? Basically two reasons. We, we kind of alluded to them already. First reason, because his commitment was too sudden. Jesus does not want a follower who does not count the cost. Secondly, Jesus does not want a, a disciple or a follower who is not willing to go through the worst of it or the harshest of it. You heard Karen talk about what it costs Christians in other parts of the world to follow. I think the question we have to ask ourselves are, are we ready to go through that? But you see, you got to think fourth dimensionally, though. You got to think fourth dimensionally. Like I said, like I said the, other, the other night, if God gives you a promise and you die before that promise comes, then it's a guarantee that you'll be resurrected because God never fails to keep a promise. We have to think fourth dimensionally. History is not the only reality. It's a teeny weeny part of it. If that. Eternity is the real deal. That's, the, that's, that's it. So what's a little hardship compared to what God has for us? Not that we should put rocks in our shoes and stomp around and claim that we're suffering for Jesus. I'm not saying anything <laughs> stupid like that, but anyway. All right. Well, so the second reason, the second reason Jesus wasn't impressed is because his commitment was probably for worldly reasons. In seeing the miracles, he was probably excited about these tremendous fees Jesus was getting. For him, being a disciple had a very lucrative pot potential. Now, look, saints, Jesus is not looking for wheeler dealer followers. <laughs> you see, if you follow Jesus, you cannot expect to live higher on the hog than he lived. Jesus didn't have a whole lot. So what he is telling us today is consider what you got to be icing on the cake and not the cake itself. All right. He's not saying it's bad to have some things. That's, he's not saying that. But look at that as icing. If somebody says, I'll take everything you got away from you if you don't follow Jesus. You say, well, take it. That should be your attitude. If you follow Jesus for wealth and success then you are not a follower of Jesus. If you follow Jesus for prestige, then you are not a follower of Jesus. If you follow Jesus only because you are afraid not to, then you're not a follower of Jesus. And why is this the case? Because not quite is not right. All right. So that's Dr. Quick. Dr. Quick. All right, now, who do you think this other guy was? Hmm. Oh, I got it. Okay, let's come up with a name. Mr. Slow. <laughs> okay. All right, now, now, he was a different kind of guy, right? All right. You know, I, I can say this about Mr. Slow. He was a show enough family man, right? <laughs> He was a man who deeply respected his father. But unfortunately, he used his father as an excuse to dilly-dally around. 
All right? You see, delay in fulfilling a promise is just as bad as haste in making one. Now, the Bible tells us that, that, that Mr. Slow was already a, a disciple, but he was kind of at a distance. And his request sounded reasonable, didn't it? He said, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me go bury my father first. When I first read this, I said, yeah, that's right. And Jesus says, no, not the dead bury the dead. What? You know, what I pictured was the prelude has already started in the church. <laughs> and they're getting ready to roll the body in. He, he, he could have let the guy go to his father's funeral for crying out loud. Have you ever thought that? <laughs> I said, like, Jesus, it can't be that bad. I said, what gives? What gives? So I started digging and digging. I said, oh, okay, that's one of those idioms. Okay, it's an idiom. It's a, it's a way of saying things like uh, uh, we, we, we have those kind of, you know, sayings that it means something other than or more than what we think. So this is what Mr. Slow was really saying in terms of translating the idiom. He was saying, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go home and stay there until my father dies in I don't know how many years, right? So that I can collect my inheritance and I can have financial security and then I can follow you. Okay. Um, what would we say today? What would Mr. Slow say today? Well, now Jesus, now look, I, I got uh, 10 years into my job, I got 10 more to go for my pension. You know, and I do have uh, some health concerns, you know. Uh, so Obamacare ain't working out too good, right? Uh, let, let me get on Medicare, you know, and collect Social Security. Uh, oh, and let me finish paying off my mortgage. Oh, and when I finish that, I got to pay off the other mortgage for the summer house, right? Oh, and uh, oh, yeah, let me get my kids graduated from college first. Oh, and, oh they got to go to grad school now. Then once I get all that set, then I'll follow you. <laughs> well, that's kind of what he was saying in today's terms. Now, I, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. But his desire for his inheritance was greater than his desire to follow Christ. Now, he was absolutely right to respect his father. He owed his father great respect, but he owed Christ even more respect. To be a joint heir with Christ should have been more valuable to him than being an heir to his father. You know why? Because it is more valuable. Think fourth dimensionally. At any rate, Dr. Slow, uh, Mr. Slow would always have some reason for not following Christ. He would always say, oh, uh, let me do, let, oh, let me finish this, and uh, let me finish that. I know Mr. Slow quite well. You cannot obey Jesus with mere promises to him. You can only obey Jesus through the strength of his call to you. Is Jesus calling you today? For some of you, he might be calling to follow for the very first time. For others, he might be calling you to follow in a different direction your whole life has ever been in. 
but you can only follow him in the strength of his call. And what is that call? It's just simple. Follow me. Follow me. You know, you live with God so many years and you see him work in your life in so many ways. And after a while, you kind of start seeing a pattern to it all, don't you? You kind of think, okay, I, I think I know how this goes. Yeah, this makes sense. And this makes sense. And you start thinking that way. And that's all right. You know, you know that, that, hey, that builds your faith, you know. It's one thing. There's one pattern that I know that God always does, that he's always faithful. Or as we say in the traditional church, he may not come when you want him, but right on time. Okay. And, and that's all right. That's all right. But sometimes God will throw you a curve and take your life in a completely different direction. You say, wait, 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 God, that can't be right. You know, Abraham is minding his own business, you know. <laughs> High-rise condo on Earl of the Chaldees, you know. <laughs> Beautiful retirement, you know. Oh, yeah, now I can kick back. So God said, oh, yeah, you leave all that stuff and go to, go, where are you going to go? I ain't telling you, just go. <laughs> what, what's that? What's that? You know, you know why God does that? Because he wants us to keep our eyes on him and not on our circumstances. I think of Psalm 30 where, where David, uh, you know, he, he, he tells us about he learned how he learned this lesson. He, 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 he found the secret. He found the formula to successful life. You've set me on a hill. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And then basically, I'm just kind of giving a rough translation of it. God just pulled the rug out from under him. And he got so depressed that he wanted to die. But then he rediscovered that his eyes should have been on God and not on his circumstances. Do not let your circumstances lull you into sleep thinking that God is going to conform to the whims of those circumstances. Peter. You know how quick he was. He's kind of like Dr. Quick, right? Jesus comes walking in the water. Peter says, hey, call me out and I'll walk on the water with you. Oh, yeah, okay, come on. So he gets out and he's walking on the water. He's doing all right because he keeps his eyes on Jesus. And then he starts noticing his circumstances. <laughs> he says, oh, wait a minute, I can't walk on water. Guess what happens? Well, it kind of reminds me of a Star Trek episode. You know, I'm a, I'm a Trekkie where, where, where some people stole... Spock's brain, remember this one? They put it inside of a computer and, uh, and Dr. McCoy had to get the brain out and put, put it back into Spock, but he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he couldn't do it, so he put, put this machine on, on him that made him extremely um, intelligent. He took the machine off, he said, oh, I can do so, it's child's play. So he starts operating and uh, Scotty stands by and says, Captain, Captain, he's operating at warp speed. <laughs> And he starts putting the brain back together, and sure enough. But, but after a while, that intelligence thing wears off. He says, I can't reattach a brain. What am I doing? Well, that's the way it is sometimes in following Jesus. You know, he tells us to do things that we can't do, but he, we can do it in his strength as long as we have that thing going on, right? <laughs> but then you start looking around and say, I can't do this. Yes, you can, because he does it through you. 
See, God calls us to do things. He doesn't abandon us. He says he will always be with us. He will never forsake us. We are just as important to him as the thing he wants us to do. Well, we, often, we are often slow to fulfill our commitments to God. But God's grace is stronger than our promises. The, the call of God overcomes our slowness. Let the dead bury the dead, he said. Let the spiritually dead bury, bury the, the physically dead. Burying his father was a good thing, but it was a bad excuse. Others can bury the dead just as well as you can, but nobody can be a follower, the follower that God calls you to be, other than you. So because Mr. Slow was not quite, he was not right. Now, before you jump to conclusions, remember when the rich young ruler was turned away? Remember? Well, he wasn't turned away. He, he says, uh, hey, you know, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, sell everything you got and follow me. And you will have many more times in the kingdom. See, God wasn't just robbing him. He wasn't being a socialist here. You know, <laughs> he said, oh, look, would you, well, would you spend $10,000 to buy a million dollar mansion? I think you would. That's pretty good, isn't it? Jesus said, hey, get rid of that and you'll have more. And he walked away. And then one of his disciples said, well, then who can be saved? Remember that? And Jesus says, with man, it's not impossible. With God, everything is, is possible. Jesus was not rejecting these two men. Because he, if he was, then I think he would reject every one of us. Because all of us are either Dr. Quick or Mr. Slow, and most of us have been both. What Jesus was informing them was, being a follower required something beyond their strength. And you know what that something is? That's God's grace. Today, Jesus calls us to be his followers right now. He says, follow me right now. But never be hasty to promise like Dr. Quick. Jesus still calls us to count the costs of discipleship but don't count so long that you never get around to fulfilling your promise like Mr. Slow. Uh, wait a minute, God. Wait a minute. I'm still calculating here. I'm still counting the, counting the cost. All of us have been like Dr. Quick and Mr. Slow. All of us have been that way. And apart from God's grace, guess what? We wouldn't even be not quite disciples. But God's grace is more than sufficient. With him, all things are possible. You've heard missionaries from 
various parts, some in this country, some overseas. You've heard about Christians in other situations, some in good situations, some in bad situations. Jesus is calling you to follow him. What's going to be your response? But remember, remember, Jesus' call to follow him comes with the power to answer the call. Can you hear him? Can you hear Jesus right now? You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying. Can you hear it? I can hear it. Follow me. Follow me. And if you answer that call, you will have the grace to avoid the trap of being not quite and not right. That's a promise of God. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word that challenges us. Thank you for your call to follow. Some of us are scared. Uh, we're scared because of things we hear about you from people who are ignorant about you. We sometimes are intimidated by human opinion. But Lord, give us the grace to answer your call. Thank you for showing us Dr. Quick and Mr. Slow. Thank you for putting a mirror up to us to show us what we are like apart from your grace. But Lord, we hear your call and we want to respond. That your kingdom may be spread and your glory may be lifted up. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.